concerning Gary and Judy is that, you know, the Bible says to laugh with those that laugh and weep with those that weep, and we've had a lot of those opportunities together. And what a joyous time it is to be able to celebrate somebody's life. And, but then there's always, because we're still in this world, there's the evils that we have to deal with. And, and so I just want to bring you as their body. I want you to be aware of this. And, but I just want you to be praying for the Long's, um, Tong's niece, brothers, daughters, 18 years old, live in Colorado. And she came home and disrupted in the midst of a burglary. And uh, she was murdered and then the house is burnt. And so um, they don't want a lot of attention about it, but I want you to give them attention in the realm of the spirit. And I want you to pray for this family, not only Tong and Chantel, but for his brother. What, what's your brother's name, Tong? Sam. Tim? Sam. Pray for him and, and their household because I just, it's beyond my ability to comprehend. And so we just pray. Father, we just pray for the lungs. We pray for their, for them and their extended family and Father, we pray for your peace, that peace that surpasses human understanding, our ability to understand it. We just pray that for them. And Father, we pray for a healing to take place that they might be able to lean upon you, and that you would comfort them, that you would strengthen them. And Father, we know that this destruction is not of you. But Father, I ask you in the name of Jesus to take this which the enemy intended for evil, for destruction, and I pray, Father, that you would use it to turn it about for good. We don't understand that. I'm incapable of understanding that, but you know. And so, Father, I pray for your intervention in the name of Jesus, and I pray for your peace to rest upon this household. And Father, I ask it in the precious name of Jesus. And everybody that agrees with that says amen. 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 Hallelujah. So praise God. And so we just express our love and sympathies to you and, and uh, to your brother's family. Well, you know, we are in a, we, we're not of this world but we live in this world, and this, this world that we live in is an evil place. And, uh, and so we're in, a, we're in a spiritual battle, and for us not to realize that is to be naive. And so we're in a spiritual battle, but the thing that we have confidence in is that God has given us the weapons, the tools that we need to be able to deal with whatever the enemy, this world, or even our flesh would try to throw our way. We can overcome. We overcome. Why? Because of something that we've done? No, because we serve the overcomer. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Our faith in the completed works of Jesus, knowing that He, Jesus, has done it all for each and every one of us. And so by faith, we're able to grasp, we're able to appropriate what Jesus has already accomplished for us through his grace. His grace is sufficient. That was what Paul learned when he was going through some of the most trying times of his life, of his ministry, that God's grace was sufficient 
And the same thing is true in each and every one of our lives because we encounter periodically those events that seem to be so overwhelming, <clears throat> like we feel incapable of being able to overcome, to come through it victorious, but this is the victory that overcomes our faith in the completed works of Jesus. Jesus has already done it all. And so that's why it's so important for us to, to lean and rely upon him. And so he's given us the tools that we need to be able to live life victoriously. You know, one of those tools Donna talked about this morning when she was talking about her conversation with Judy when she presented to her the Holy Spirit. We will always be a Holy Ghost church as long as I'm here. Some of you are sitting there thinking, well, we don't have to much longer deal with that. But as long as I'm here, we're a Holy Ghost church. You know why? Because apart from the Holy Spirit and, and His filling our lives, life is an absolute impossibility. It's a tool that He's given. It's something that He's given to us that we might have a deeper, more intimate, close relationship with Him. And then the other thing that He's given us, and this may not seem to fit in with that, but it does. It's our imagination. You know, the imagination that we have isn't, isn't just something that's worldly. He's given us an imagination so that we can, we can see. Without an imagination, it's impossible to call those things that be not as though they were. Because without your imagination, it's impossible to see that. And so he's given us the ability to imagine or the ability to see things that we don't see with our physical eye. And when we begin to see it, we're able to bring it to that place of bringing it into a manifestation into the natural. Do you realize, you know, I, I think I said this, I, I think I'm saying this every time I get up now because it's being coming more and more true to me. My biggest problem in life is me. You know, the Bible talks about the devil, the world, and the flesh. Jesus defeated the devil. Through faith, we've overcome the world. So I'm left with my flesh. The only way to deal with the flesh is to crucify the flesh or to say to the flesh, no. Joel was talking this morning and Joel Osteen and he was, he was talking about the problem with, you know, the old man is dead. How many of you knew, know that you're a brand new creation in Christ Jesus? Old things pass away, all things have become new. If you believe that, say Amen. But do you know what the problem with the old man is? Keeps resurrecting, keeps getting up. And so that's how it is in life. The issue, the biggest issue that we deal with is ourselves. And within that, the biggest issue that we deal with is our mind. Because our actions will always follow our thinking process or what we're dwelling upon. We talk about sin, well, I don't know what happened, I just fell into it. No, you didn't. You thought through it and you made a decision. Every time, it may not have been, a, you know, like the forefront of our mind, but, but you don't fall into stuff. We make a decision. And so we have to make a decision that we're gonna follow after the things of God, that we are not going to allow the things of this world to dictate to us the abundant life or the extent of the abundant life that we're going to determine. We determine that. Let me read this passage to you. It comes from Hebrews, the second chapter, the first verse, and I want to read it out of the Amplified. And it says, since all this is true, talking about the Word, since all of this is true, we ought to pay much 
closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. You know, if, if we ever get to the point to where we think, oh, I got, it all, I got it put together, that is the most dangerous point that you will ever reach in your life. Listen to this again. Since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention to it. Since all this is true, we need to pay much closer attention to it. Not less, but more. You know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together and so much more as the day approaches. What's the day that he's talking about? He's talking about the day of the return of Jesus Christ. He's saying we ought to meet together. He doesn't say less. He says we ought to meet together all that much more. And it's not just simply talking about the assembling together from the standpoint of going to church. He's talking about the assembling together from the standpoint of getting in the presence of other believers so that we can hear the truth of the gospel so that we can be built up and edified so that we can deal with the junk <laughs> that comes our way. But you know what? It's true on an individual basis. We need to assemble together with him, with the Holy Spirit. We need to spend time in his word. Why? Because everything around us is trying to steal from it trying to take from it. We're in such an interesting time that we live in. You know, there was a high school, I think it was down in Texas, where they forbid them to have a prayer before the football game. But I don't know if you watched it or not, but, you know, I, I agree with the announcers yesterday. The Army-Navy game is America's football game. Thank you for that rousing amen. But what a dynamic pregame to see America's greatest, finest men and women marching in in formation. And then they take the field and the chaplain Praise a prayer of blessing. Whew. And then the joint choirs of the Army and the Navy, they sing the national anthem. Becky leaned over to me and she says, I'll guarantee there's nobody kneeling right now. <laughs> and there wasn't. What a marvelous, marvelous event. Aaron and I were talking, you know, if there's one game we'd like to go to, that would be the one. Get there someday. Of course, he served in the Army, so we'll have to sit on that side. But you know what? What a time we live in. And everything around us wants to distract us, to tell us that the things of God are not that significant in our life, or at least to get, us, get our minds off of it. Because whatever you dwell on, whatever, wherever your imagination is taking you, because every one of us, you can say you don't have an imagination, but I guarantee you, you do. Wherever that imagination is taking us, that's where we're going to go. That's where our feet are going to follow. And so that's why it's saying here in Hebrews, since all this is true, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way we drift past them and slip away. You see, this word is more than just a nice little book that we have. This 
book is a tool, it's a weapon that's in our hands to defeat everything that this world tries to throw against us. It's the one thing that we have to combat those evil thoughts that we have in our minds. You can tell yourself not to think it, but you continue to think it until you replace it with something. And what you replace it with is the Word of God, the living Word of God. Hallelujah. Oh, smile, Pastor Dave. Okay, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. The third verse. It says, though we walk in the flesh, though we're still walking in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. And so often that's the danger. That's what we get caught up in. We begin to try to war against the flesh. We try to deal with the things that are coming against us in life, and we try to deal with it in totally a fleshly way. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, they're not fleshly. They're not of this world. But mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Do you know what the number one thing the enemy wants to do? You know what your flesh wants to do? Your mind wants to do? It wants to say, you know better than God. Amen? Well, how do you know that, Pastor Dave? Because that's what I have to deal with all the time. Because I may not be of this world, but I'm still in this world. So I still have to deal with everything that's around us. Every one of us do. And so the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. In other words, it's not going to be a, a worldly solution. It's going to be a spiritual, it's going to be a heavenly solution. That solution is the Word of God. And so as we dwell upon the Word of God, it changes the way we think about things. Not only changes the way that we think about things, it changes the way we see things. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds, strongholds, pulling down strongholds. It's not talking about tearing down a building someplace. It's talking about the strongholds of our mind. You know, in our early charismatic walk, we would get together to tear down strongholds. And there is that element of the strongholds of demonic activity and so forth. But you know what the greatest stronghold that every one of us have to deal with? It's the strongholds in our minds. It's those things that hold us in check. It's those those, those thoughts that you can't when you, the Bible says you can. The thoughts that say you don't have any other choice. You've got to continue to do this because that's how you've always been. That's a stronghold of your mind. And there's only one way to pull that stronghold down. It's by the knowledge of God. The knowledge of what Jesus has done and accomplished for each and every one of you. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's, that's this world that we live in. Every turn around, time you turn around, what are they wanting to do? They're exalting themselves against the knowledge of God. You watch the news and the news says everything's falling apart. You're not going to make it. It's exalting itself against the knowledge of God because the Word of God declares that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And so what are we going to believe? We're going to believe what we listen to. We're going to believe what we open ourselves up to, what dominates our thought life. That is what's going to direct the paths of our life, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought 
into captivity to the obedience of Christ. We want to obey God. Amen? Yeah, that's what, that's what we want to do in life. But you know where we, where we mess up is we try to do it in our own strength and ability. Rather than turning to God and allowing the Holy Spirit through the Word of God to change our thought patterns, to change the way we see life, to change the way we feel about things. Because our actions will always follow the thought pattern. What are we thinking about? What's dominating our thoughts? What is it that we need to overcome? Because notice what it's coming against, the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. What's the attack upon us? The attack is upon the church, the, the, the word of God. We talk about the attack upon the church, but the, the attack truly is not upon the church. Because the church, as long as we'll fit into the world, nobody has a problem with it. The attack is upon the word of God. Because the problem is, is when you begin to stand upon the truth and the reality of the word of God, that's when it's no longer accepted. It's still acceptable in our society to go to church. What's not acceptable is take a stand to take a position and make a declaration of what Jesus says in his word. That's where you run into conflict with. Our word's really important. Is, is this whole thing that I'm talking about really important? Well, if you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the screen. But I like my Bible. Everybody say Bible. Bible. Amen. It's just nothing like the Bible. I love the Bible. The Bible changed my life. Hallelujah. The Bible did. Come and preacher didn't change my life. The Bible changed my life. Going to Abundant Life Ministries didn't change my life. The Bible changed my life. Amen. So change your life is the Bible. Everybody say Bible. Doesn't that feel good to say Bible? Praise the Lord. Yeah, and I'm from Minnesota. Got the Alabama sitting over here. You know, but you know, we don't say Bible in Minnesota. We don't even talk about the Bible in Minnesota, tell you the truth about it. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Love the Bible. I'm about to say, I love the Bible. You know, I, I just love it in, 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 our, in our nurseries where they, they have the little New Testament down there and the little kids, I assume they still do this, they take that Bible and they hold it to their bosom and they say, I love my Bible. You know, I mean, I, you need to love your Bible. You need to love your Bible so much you open it once in a while. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, praise the Lord. But in, in, in Genesis, the 11th chapter, we have the, the account of the, the, the great Tower of Babel and how God came down and he saw what these people were doing. And just listen to this a little bit. Genesis 11, 1. Now the whole earth, I've I, I got to hurry up here. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east, they, they found uh, a plain in the land of Shinar, and they, there they dwelt there. Then they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They had bricks for stone, and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is to the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves. Boy, has nothing changed. Let us make a name for ourselves. Lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. 
But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And the Lord said, listen to this, indeed, the people are one and they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now nothing that they purpose to do will be withheld from them. Nothing will be impossible to them. Why? Because they're of one heart, they're of one voice. Matthew 18, it talks about where two or three agree as touching anything. This is talking in the positive. If we as believers, if two or three of us agree as touching anything, it shall be done for us. And people say, well, pastor, I don't know if this agreement stuff really works. Well, let me tell you something. It works. We see more demonstration of it in the negative, oftentimes than in the positive. But it works. The principle works. And the principle will work in our lives. And so the number one that we're to get in agreement with is God. They were going totally contrary to God's plan and purpose for their lives. But God said, because they're of one voice, because they have one purpose, because of what they've been able to imagine, because it wasn't completed yet. But he said, what they see, nothing will be impossible to them. And of course, we know what happened was God brought confusion. And he brought confusion through language. They were no longer saying the same thing. You know what is so horrible about gossip? Is it gets people in agreement with one another. It releases destructive power. That's the power of agreement in the negative. That's why we as believers, we guard what comes out of our mouth. We say that which is good, that which is edifying, that which is uplifting, that which is pure. Why? Because we're going to have what we say. Oh, you're one of those preachers. You believe you can have what you say. You bet your sweet bippy I am. Because it proved that it was true before as a Christian. Now I know that it's true as a believer. Because I know the words that come out of my mouth are important. They're significant. What I say concerning other people and with other people is very important. And we each... We need to recognize this. And so they were, God said, not somebody else, God said that they were going to be able to have what they said because they were in agreement with one another. We need to get in agreement with one another. And the number one that we need to get in agreement with is Almighty God. The way that we do that is through His Word as we dwell upon his word, as we meditate on his word. You know, one of the, I believe it's one of the key passages in scripture. And it's in the Old Testament. Joshua 1.8, you're all very familiar with it, or if you're, if you're not, get familiar with it. And Joshua 1.8 says, this book of the law, and of course, at this point, all they had was the law. And so we could, we could say this Bible, this Bible shall not depart from your mouth. In other words, it's not saying that you're not supposed to speak it. It's saying it's to continually be in your mouth. That no matter where you are, no matter what the circumstances are, the answer is always the word. And no, in every situation, in every, where we're at, we can't always spew chapter and verse but we can speak the meaning, what the word declares. This book of the law, this Bible, shall not depart out of your mouth, but you, everybody say, 
but I shall meditate in it. Meditate means to think about it. You need to be thinking about the Word of God all the time. Shall meditate on it day and night. Well, pastor, that's an absolute impossibility. No, it's not. It's not that it's got to be coming out of our mouth, but it's, it's the, the thought when we see something, well, how does that line up with the Word? You know, <clears throat> the greatest teaching that you will ever receive is not what I preach on Sunday morning. The greatest teaching that you will ever receive is to watch the life of a believer. To see how they deal with circumstances. To hear the words that come out of their mouth. To see that even though they may go through a time of crisis, they always come through it victoriously. You know, I think there's people, there, there's people in this church, people look at them and they think, well, you know, life just isn't fair. They, they don't ever have to deal with anything. Let me tell you something, I'll guarantee it. Every individual in this church has had to go through stuff. Because I, as the pastor, for the last 35 years, have had the privilege of being, being in that position of intimacy with people where they deal and they talk with me about the struggles and the things that they're going through. Everybody in this building has had to go through stuff. But you know what the deciding factor is? How do we go through it? We ought to end up on the other side totally victorious. But it's the Word of God that takes us through that. It's nothing else. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. You shall think about it day and night that you may observe to do according to what is written in it. See, first comes the hearing, the receiving, and then comes the doing. Do we want to do the word? Then we have to be hearers of the word. James says, faith without corresponding action is dead. It's worthless. But he's saying to have faith and there not be any actions that follow that is dead. But listen to me. He's not denying that they have faith. And faith comes one way. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And when we hear the Word of God, faith rises up. And when faith rises up, actions begin to follow. Oftentimes, we just want to have the actions. We just want the doing. We don't, have to want, to, we don't want to go through the work of getting that Word alive on the inside of us. You know, we have to be, we have to be persistent. We have to be, can't find the word that I'm looking for. We have to be on the active side. In other words, we can't just lay back and think it's going to happen. We've got to be active where the word of God is concerned. Listen to this in, in Psalms 1. Psalms 1, verses 1 and 2, or 2 and 3, rather. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, the Bible once again. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. What did I do, give you the wrong one? Yeah. Well, you should have been more sensitive to the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Psalms 1, verse 2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in this law, he meditates day and night. He's talking about this man. He delights in the word of God. He, he thinks upon this word of God day and night. 
And then listen to what it says in the third verse. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that bring forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he does, he shall prosper. How does that come about? Through meditating in the word of God. See, the comparison there is when we're meditating, because the, the word of God is life. It's the water of life. You know, you have to have water to have life. And so when we're planted by rivers of living water, which is the word of God, we continuously receive that life. And he says through that life, we will bear fruit. You know what? We're here for one purpose, to bear fruit. And he says, we'll bear fruit. He says, our leaves will not wither. That means you can be six, almost 69 years old like me and look this good. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Your leaves will not wither. And whatever you do shall prosper. I like, I like that concept. I like that concept that everything that I put my hands to is going to prosper. I'm going to experience blessing in everything that I do. That means physically, emotionally, spiritually, financially, relationally, in every area of our lives. We're to live the prosperous, abundant life. That sounds like good news. You know what good news is? It's the gospel. That's what the gospel is. And that's what's available for each and every one of us. Listen to this. Isaiah 54, verse 17, out of the Amplified Bible once again. But no weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise up against you in judgment, you shall show to be in the wrong. This peace, righteousness, security, triumph over opposition is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Those in whom the ideal servant of the Lord is reproduced. This is the righteousness or vindication which they obtain from me. This is what that which I impart to them as their justification, says the Lord. This is your justification. It's what Jesus has done in your life. It's yours. Jesus has completed the work. He's done it all. And through, through faith, we receive and we appropriate what Jesus has already done for us. Man, life, this is good news. This gospel of grace of Jesus is beyond description. Is beyond what our pea brains can comprehend. And that's why it requires faith. But see, when we try to figure it out in our own minds, it doesn't make sense. And so what we do is we elevate our thinking, our thoughts above the knowledge of God. We need to take our thoughts and kick them down a notch. We need to allow the word of God to rise above. We need to practice the, the principle of Smith Wigglesworth. When Smith Wigglesworth says, the Bible says that I believe it, that settles it. You know, it's sad. As I'm reading, reading Martin Luther's book right now, and he believed the same thing. But in the culture, in the day that we're in, in the 
religious environment that we're in, it's lost. It's lost. We put the thoughts and the thinkings of man above the Word of God. And I know that we don't have a handle on the market. But there's one thing I do know. There has always been and there will always be a remnant that will choose to believe the literal simplicity of the Word of God. And as for me and my house, and you are in my house right now, we will be part of that remnant. Why? Because we will refuse to deny the truths and the realities of the Word of God. We choose to believe. Because it begins with a choice. Today is a day of salvation. I know the scripture says the day of salvation. But see, my day of salvation is continuous in my life. Because the revelation of Jesus Christ will continue until either the rapture or Aaron plants me. One way or the other. I will continue to grow in the knowledge of God. And I trust that that same heart is in each and every one of you in this room. That until that time when our time here is done, we'll continue to grow in the knowledge of, of Jesus. Because let me tell you something. Jesus is too big for any one man to ever be able to understand. He's bigger than that. God is bigger than that. And so we will continue to press on, to press in, and to grow up in the knowledge of God. Hallelujah. I don't know how to quit. It's so good. I mean, I understand now why, you know, Steve's dad used to preach two and a half hours at a crack. I understand that. Because it's hard to quit when you begin to dwell upon and think about the goodness of God. But we'll quit. Because we have communion. Don't you just love God? Aren't you just so thankful for Jesus? Aren't you so appreciative of the Holy Spirit who lives and abides within you to make known to you more clearly than ever before the confidence and assurance of what Jesus has done for you? Wow, what a God we serve. Just think about this. God the one who created the universe, the one who is all-knowing, chose to reveal himself to you. That's, that's overwhelming. You think you chose him? No, 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 no. He chose you. So, Father, we thank you this morning for your loving kindness, that you're so good, that you're so loving. And, Father, we just want you to be magnified in our lives. We want you to be lifted up and glorified. Father, we want to be a people that exalts your word above everything else. You said you exalt the word even above your own name. Father, may we exalt your word above our names, above our desires. 
And Father, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I can have the ushers and the elders come forward, and um, you can just go right ahead and begin to uh, pass out the elements. Uh, we're going to have Holy Communion this morning. If you're visiting with us, and you've received Christ Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're part of our extended family, and so we extend an invitation to you to partake uh, of Holy Communion with us. The way that we serve it here is the, uh, um, the elders will pass out the elements, and then first will be the bread and then the, the grape juice, and, and after you've received it, you can, you can partake at that time, or you can hang on to it in the very end, we'll all re receive it together, one another. But you know, Jesus, when he instituted Holy Communion, he said that we're to do it often. He said, as often as you do this, he said, do it in remembrance of me. Again, it's not a time where we remember our failings, our shortcomings. It's a time that we use as a reminder to us of what Jesus has already done for us, of what he completed. You know, it talks about how when they were sitting at the table, that Jesus took the bread and he broke the bread. And he gave it to his disciples and he said to them, take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. And we know that Jesus, when he, when he suffered and when he died, his body was broken. The Bible declares that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. And so Jesus took this stripes, his, these stripes, his body was broken for you and I, that our bodies might be whole, that we might be healthy, that we might be complete, that we might not suffer from the things of this world that Jesus has set us free from. And so as you receive this bread today, be reminded that Jesus' body was broken so that your body might be whole. The body of Christ, which is broken for you, receive it in remembrance of him. Then of course, after they ate the bread, they partook of the, the wine, the juice, And he said, in the same way, tank, drink, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you. Shed for the remission of our sins. The Old Testament, it said, where there is no shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And so they would sacrifice the sacrifice of animals and when they would put upon the altar, it would cover, it would represent the covering of their sin, but their sin was never removed. And that's why it says in Hebrews that the, the blood of bulls and goats could never remove the sin. It would just simply cover it over. And so year after year, they'd have to go through the same process of the sacrifice to cover their sins. But Jesus, once and for all, shed his blood for you and I. Not that our, our, our sins would be covered over, but so that our sin would be literally obliterated. Our sin is removed. That's why the Bible says that our sin is removed as far as the east is from the west, because the east will never run into the west. We're not to run into our sin anymore. And Jesus removed it. And he paid the price for it. And it tells in 1 John 1, 9 that when we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I believe the unrighteousness because we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. But it's the residue of that sin. It's the shame. It's the guilt that we deal with because of our past, because of 
what we've done. But Jesus paid the ultimate price, not simply to do away with our sin, but that we no longer have to deal with the guilt and the shame of our sin. Through Christ Jesus, we are completely set free. When Jesus looks upon us, he doesn't see a sinner. He sees the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And so this blood, this juice, represents the blood of our Lord and Savior Jesus. How His blood was shed so that our sins might be removed. The blood of Christ, which has been shed for you as you receive it, receive it in remembrance of Him. Now, Father, we thank you for forgiveness. We thank you for what Jesus has done for us, that the work is done. In fact, you tell us the work was done before the foundation of the world, that it was done in the heart of God. And so by faith, we receive what Jesus has already accomplished for us. And so Father, today, all that we can say is thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, that you're not only the author, but you're the one who perfects our faith. That we might walk in victory in every single area of our lives. It's because of you. And so we thank you. And precious Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would continually remind us that the work is done the work is complete, that Jesus has done it all, so that we might continuously have a grateful heart, a heart of praise where we thank you and acknowledge what you've done for us. And so Father, today we rejoice. We give you praise and honor and glory for all that you've done. We ask and pray that you might have your way, that your will would be done in each of our lives, that you would be lifted up, that you would be exalted and glorified, that you would use us to further your kingdom. And Father, we pray it in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and ask that you might have your way in Jesus' name. Receive all the glory. So as you go, go in his peace and his strength. Go and demonstrate his love to this world. As you walk out of this place, give one another a hug and let them know that you love them. Be blessed.